You're listening to Biceps After Babies Radio, episode number 186. Hello, and welcome to Biceps After Babies Radio, a podcast for ladies who know that fitness is about so much more than pounds lost or PRs. It's about feeling confident in your skin and empowered in your life. I'm your host, Amber Brzezicki, a registered nurse, personal trainer, wife, and mom of four. Each week, my guests and I will excite and motivate you to take action in your own personal fitness as we talk about nutrition, exercise, mindset, personal development, and executing life with conscious intention. If your goal is to look, feel, and be strong and experience transformation from the inside out, you, my friend, are in the right place. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's jump into today's episode. Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode of Biceps After Babies Radio. I'm your host, Amber Brzezicki, and I am back with another Friday episode. This is where we bring on women and share how they did it with the hopes that as you listen to these stories, you will start to believe that you can do it as well and that you will learn from women who have gone before you. The truth is a lot of the things that we experience ourselves are things that other people have experienced. And so when we can learn from people who have walked that walk, have been through that hard thing and learn from their experience, we are able to move through it quicker and be able to recognize that we're not alone and that it's not wrong that we're in this situation and know what the next step is. And so today I'm so excited because this episode is one for those of you who are thinking about, scared about, in the middle of an intentional maintenance period. I bring on Amanda Sussman and she tells her story about maintaining for almost an entire year. And in the podcast, she mentions that she hears women a lot of times when they go into maintenance about wanting to do it for the shortest period of time possible and how that's really sad to her because how amazing maintenance has been for her and and for her journey and for the goals that she's trying to achieve. And so I wanted Amanda to come on so that she could talk about maintenance and, and specifically she could give you tips about how to make the most of the maintenance period. And she gives some three really great tips that are going to allow you to be able to embrace this period of time, see what it can actually do for you. And then at the end of the podcast, she talks about her, her cut that she just started. So after a year at maintenance, she just started into a cut. And so we talk about some of the fears that come up with that and how she's handling, handling that situation. So I am so excited for you to hear from Amanda to learn about maintenance and how magical it can be. I am so excited to welcome Amanda to the podcast, to be able to share her story today. Amanda, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing so good. And I'm excited for people to be able to hear your story and learn from it. That's really what these I Did It series podcasts are about is recognizing that, first of all, sharing your story is so valuable because other people inevitably are going to have some of the same experiences. But more importantly than that, than finding like, you know, community with other people is that we can learn from people who are a little bit ahead of us. And that's why I'm bringing you on the podcast, because I think you have some real wisdom to be able to share with people (laughs) that you've learned along the way. So that's what I'm excited for people to learn today. So will you just kind of give us a little paint, a little picture for us, um, about, you know, where you were before you found me, before you joined macros 101, what was that like? What were you struggling with? What results were you trying to achieve that felt hard? Sure. So before I found you and Macros 101, I 
actually had started a weight loss journey using Weight Watchers, which I'm sure many people have mm-hmm. ventured into that area. Um, so after my third child was born, I was pretty overweight and pretty unhappy. And so I joined Weight Watchers and I was very successful on Weight Watchers. I lost mm-hmm. about 45 pounds and I reached my goal weight. And then you end up in this land where they're like, okay, so now maintain it. Mm-hmm. But there's absolutely no support. There's no, so they don't tell you what to do, how to, how to transition from weight loss to maintaining. And I was getting really frustrated. I did maintain on my own for about a year, but I felt really deprived and I was always hungry and I was miserable. And I just knew there had to be a better way mm-hmm. that there, there was, there was something better out there. And I was actually following someone on Instagram who was kind of in a similar boat. And she was starting to talk a little bit about macros and how she had found macros. And um, she was um, just, you know, sharing her journey as she switched from maintenance and Weight Watchers to moving towards using macros as a better way to track. And through a series of following her and then following people she was talking about, um, I ended up following Katie Crocus and she was talking about your five day challenge. And so that's how I found you, Amber. Mm -hmm. And so I joined the five day challenge because I was like, okay, I've started this macros on my own, but I don't know what I'm doing. And maybe, maybe I'll learn something in the five day challenge. And I just loved your approach. And so I started the five after the five day challenge, I decided, well, I'm going to, I'm in, I'm going to try macros 101 and see what I can learn. And maybe, maybe I can figure out a better way to do maintenance. And I really, really did. Mm-hmm. So. Well, tell us about that. I mean, everyone's like, okay, tell us, I want to know what's a really good way to do maintenance. <laughs> Cause I feel like this is like the forgotten stepchild of the process, right? It's like everybody, it's like everybody fawns over cutting everybody fawns over like even reversing is like super sexy. And then it's like maintenance. That's lame. That's boring. So talk to us a little bit about what you've learned about that process and about maintenance. And it's, yeah, so if I'm really being honest, when I first started Macros 101, everyone was cutting. So I was like, okay, well, I'll do that again for a little bit. Yeah. And I made it about four weeks into the eight weeks of Macros 101. And this was uh, the September 2020 group. And I was like, this sucks. <laughs> why why <laughs> I am I doing do this. this? Yeah. And everyone, you know, some people were starting to venture into the land of reversing and we were learning about, about what is a reverse and what is maintenance. And I decided, okay, well, I'm not happy being in a cut. And you kept telling everyone on coaching calls, if you're thinking about a reverse, it's time for a reverse. It's probably time to do it. (laughs) And so the more I thought about it, the more I decided it's time. So I started doing a reverse and I just kept adding calories and Mm -hmm. adding calories. And I was like, wow, I, I can eat more food and not gain weight. This is amazing. And so I reversed, it was from October through December. And it was about, it was seven or eight weeks it took me before I finally uh, called it, if you will, when I Mm -hmm. realized I'd hit maintenance. And I, I was surprised by how much food I could eat and not gain weight. And I actually 
pretty much stayed in maintenance all of last year. And it has been amazing. I couldn't believe how much more energy I had, uh, how much better I was sleeping, and just how much better my workouts were. Just eating enough food that I could Mm -hmm. actually function. I wasn't as tired. I had more focus at work. And I honestly just didn't want to get out of that place. And I, I love being a maintenance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Question for you, because I know that there are people who are listening to this and, and they may be thinking about doing a reverse or going through that process. But one of the biggest questions that people are always asking is how do you know when you're done? Like, how do you know <laughs> when you finished, when you finished the reverse? And like, how did you know, to, you said, you know, use the terms like call it, how do you know to call it and be like, <laughs> this is my maintenance. So what did that look like for you? Well, so, um, I started following the steps that you gave us. I added calories and I actually, I also, I did a mix of adding calories and cutting cardio because I really hate cardio. And so I actually completely cut all cardio out as part of my, my reverse. reverse. I, Mm -hmm. I was also adding calories. And so I, the, the cut I started in when I first was uh, the first few weeks I was in macros 101, I was about 1800 calories. So I mm-hmm. started slowly adding back in, um, you know, about a hundred calories per week, um, watching my scale weight, my measurements and looking to see if they would increase. And they really didn't for a while. And then I had a few fluctuations. There was a couple weeks where I just held steady at the calories I was eating, but then I was able to push a little higher um, and it got up to like 2,600 calories from 1,800. It was amazing. amazing. Yeah. Um, and when I and then when I was at 2,600, I started to see it kind of going up a little bit. Um, and then it kind of stabilized there. So I st- I actually didn't drop back down. I stayed at 2,600 mm-hmm. and um, just watched. And I, it stabilized pretty nicely at 2,600 calories. So I. I stayed there for a while, but then interestingly, I, when I started lifting, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I started gaining weight. Mm-hmm. And so I actually did drop it a little bit, um, cause I unintentionally bulked for, <laughs> for a little while. I, I think it kind of caught up like the dropping all the cardio and adding all the calories kind of caught up with me about, a, about six weeks after I, um, uh, had stopped adding uh, calories and, and then I watched the trend rate going up a little bit. And after about uh, six weeks of seeing it going up, I was like, maybe I'm a little over, maybe mm-hmm. I overshot it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so I dropped down to about um, 2,400 calories and it, and then it stabilized at the weight I was at, at that point. Okay. And I stayed there for um, March through December. Okay. So here's what I love so much about what you just shared is that People psych themselves out so much with this idea of like, what if I overshoot maintenance, right? They like, it's like, it's like, it's really scary to a lot of people. And I love the example that you just shared because it's like, yeah, you may like, you may do it. You may overshoot maintenance, but did you die? Like, was it the worst thing in the world? Did you like lose all of your progress and all of your results? No, you're like, huh, that's interesting. I'm maybe overshot it a little bit and you dropped down and you kept going and it was like no big deal. So I'm just so excited for women who are in that space of like the fear around overshooting maintenance is 
often I see it preventing them from even getting to maintenance because they're so afraid of going over that they sell themselves short. Um, so, you know, how did you work through that? How did you talk yourself through maybe some of those fears? Did you have some of those same fears? Um, it was a little bit weird at first. Like I, I watching the weight go up and weirdly not being upset about it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I, I was using a lot. It wasn't just the scale that I was using as a metric. I was using measurements as well. I was using how my clothes were fitting. My pants still fit. So more data points, people. This is why we take more data points. It just gives you a better picture of what's going on. Yeah. Like I was, I was still wearing the same size pants. They weren't tight. They were, they were still fitting. And so I knew that some of what I was gaining was muscle because I was lifting weights and I was lifting pretty heavy and I love your weightlifting videos. (laughs) P.S. It's so Uh, fun. And so I I knew that I I knew that some of it was muscle and that maybe there might be a little bit of fat. But as long as my clothes were fitting and my measurements were staying pretty stable. The number on the scale really didn't bother me anymore Mm -hmm. um, because it's not the only measure that I was using. Yes. Oh, okay. so good. Um, I just want to reiterate what you said, because so many women are very attached to the scale and they don't know how to let it go. They're like, how do I let, how do I dissociate with that number? How do I not let it impact my mood or my emotions? And that last sentence that you just said was so important. The way, one of the ways you were able to do that was because you had other data points to look at. So if you are, if you're living and dying by one number, what it says on the scale, it's going to be really hard. It's going to be like ups and downs, like a roller coaster. But when you pair that other, that number with multiple data points, you're able to get a much better perspective and maintain a little bit more of a level head as you're, as you're looking and figuring out what's, what's going on. That's so good. So good, Amanda. Okay. So someone, let's say somebody who hasn't done maintenance, or maybe they're just starting maintenance and they don't really know what to expect. Um, what, tips would you have for somebody who is intentionally maintaining? And I, and I use this word intentional maintenance because sometimes women um, maintain unintentionally, but very few women ever intentionally maintain, say like, I'm going to take the next year and I'm just going to stay the same weight. <laughs> very few people do that. So, um, intentional maintenance to me is, is very different. So if somebody's entering intentional maintenance for the first time, what three tips would you give them as someone who has rocked that experience yourself? Well, my first big tip would be to set new goals that have absolutely nothing to do with the number on the scale. Um, It's so strange to make that transition from looking for a number on the scale to be going down. Mm -hmm. And now you're looking for it to stay the same. And it feels a little disappointing almost because you're used to that little dopamine hit when you totally <laughs> the number goes yeah. down yeah. and now you don't have that. Um, so you need to replace it with something else. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, and it can be anything. It doesn't have to be an aesthetic goal. It can be something in the gym. It can be something in your job. Um, even mental progress in your journey, working on, you know, journaling or whatever that looks like for you. I, Amber knows I'm not a journaler, but <laughs> <laughs> me neither. If you are, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, it, you need to find something else to work towards because it can be really frustrating when your goal is to just stay in the same place. So mm-hmm. I switched my focus from the scale weight to what I was lifting in the gym. Mm-hmm. So having a different goal gave my mind something to focus on instead of focusing on the scale number. 
Yes. That's so important. And, and I, you know, I'm a little bit partial. I love focusing on the weight going up in the gym. I think that's such a great transition for a lot of women to make instead of seeing the weight go down on the scale. What if you were focused on the weight going up in the weights you're lifting in the gym, but even I, I, I really want to push this home that even if that's not you, even that's not something you want to do, that doesn't feel exciting to you having some sort of other goal. Like I want to run a marathon or I want to start a new business or, you know, I want to get a um, promotion at my job, right? Like there's, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be in the realm of, of weightlifting, um, or even fitness, but having something that you're, you can focus on as, like you said, getting those little dopamine hits of like recognizing that you're making progress on something is really valuable. Awesome. Okay. Number two. So my second tip would be to eat the foods you love and still find a good balance with your nutrition. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be honest. I eat a lot of chicken and salmon because they're good for me, Mm -hmm. but I also eat cookies and chips and chocolate and all of that. I just had to find a way to balance it. And usually like I try and plan one treat every day. Um, But I also then try to balance it with, I try to have a fruit and a vegetable or a vegetable at every meal. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, when you're in a cut, it's so much easier when you eat the same things over and over again, you're repeating meals, you know, that it fits within your macros that's really boring. And at maintenance, you don't have to do that. You can be more adventurous. You can go out for dinner more. You can find a way to fit in things that you haven't been enjoying um, a lot more easily, but it can be really scary at first. Um, You think to yourself, well, it's a slippery slope. If I go out for dinner tonight and eat this delicious food that I haven't had, I'm going to want it every day. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be that way. You, you can definitely find a balance and you don't have to live on chicken and broccoli for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good. And did you, so I think it is kind of counterintuitive that, um, with more calories, it can sometimes be harder to find that balance because like you said, it's easier to fit in a lot of, a lot more fun foods. So did you find that it was in some like, what was that experience of having more calories and having a little bit more freedom? Did that feel good to you or was it actually harder in some ways? Well, at first it was really hard to find. I honestly struggled some days to eat enough Yeah, because I was really so common. used, I was so used to eating like the high volume, low calorie foods yeah. to fit into, you know, lower calories that now that I had more calories, I almost some days found myself like, oh, well, I have like 500 calories left and I've already eaten dinner and what, what's something I can squeeze in that will fit. And then I was finding I was falling more into more junk foods. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I started swapping out some of those. I stopped having the cauliflower rice and put the rice back into my diet, the real yeah. rice, mm-hmm. the delicious rice. <laughs> <laughs> and as I started swapping out some of those high volume foods for lower volume, higher calorie foods, it just, it got easier, but at first it was hard. The transition. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Okay. So set new goals, eat the foods that you love and find that balance. And then what's number three. I'm realizing number three is kind of similar to number one, but that's okay. That's okay. So my other tip is really just enjoy your life without being hyper-focused on food anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. I found when I was in a cut. And previously when I was on Weight Watchers, everything was hyper-focused on food. What am I eating? When am I eating? What can I eat? Can I have this today? 
And it took up a lot of space in my brain. And now that I don't have as much focus on all of the food and how to make it work, I have room for other things. I have rooms for hobbies and I spend more time with my kids and the time we spend is more enjoyable. Um, I just enjoy having more space in my brain that isn't hyper-focused on the next meal or how I ate the wrong thing today or mm-hmm. how, to, how to make something fit where it won't fit or doing macro Tetris because I ate something that the, the treat that someone brought to work. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it's nice to have extra room in your brain. Absolutely. That's really good. I love those. I love those tips. All three of those tips. I give a double amen to all three of those tips. I think it's really great. Um, so you've been in maintenance for about a year and then you just started a cut, right? I did. Yeah. Okay. So talk to us about that because that's also something that people always have questions about is starting a subsequent cut. What is that like? How is that coming out of maintenance? Um, what kind of fears come up uh, as you embark on this next next stage? Um, so, so far it's going really well. I'm only about nine days in though. So mm-hmm. <laughs> still early, early in the cut, um, but I've been seeing steady progress. And the best part is I'm cutting at about 2,200 calories. I mean, stop it, right? Like <laughs> stop it. See, this is why I tell you guys to spend time at maintenance because now you're cutting at 2,200 calories. That's amazing. Yeah, I did add a little cardio, which I told you I hate cardio, but I I figured there was a good balance I could strike with adding a little bit more cardio and not cutting as many calories. Sure. Yeah. I did add about 60 minutes of cardio into my week um, so that I didn't have to cut my calories as steeply. Um, And like I said, I don't usually do much cardio at maintenance. I don't like it, but I figured it was worth the trade-off for this. Well, and and so here's why I also encourage people to reduce cardio with the reverse and reduce cardio with maintenance, because now you have the world open to you in terms of levers that you can pull. You can add cardio. You can, you know, add, like take away calories. You have unlimited, not unlimited, but if you're doing five hours a week of cardio at maintenance and you want to like add more, now you're talking about what are you going to do? Six hours of cardio, seven hours of cardio. When you start at zero, it's like, yeah, I can add 60 minutes of cardio. It's like no big deal to add that in. So that's another one of the reasons that I really encourage people to lower the amount of cardio you're doing during a reverse and maintenance. So that when you go into a cut, like Amanda is, you have it as a tool to be able to use. Yeah. And you, you asked if I had any fears. Well, of course I did. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's um, why I asked the question. <laughs> I, I wasn't really worried that it wouldn't work. I actually did a little mini cut last summer and it worked really well, but it, I was, I cut for about four weeks and realized it was a very bad time in terms of stress. And there are yeah. seasons and sometimes it's not yep. the right season for a cut. And I, I, I got out of the cut and went back to maintenance and I'm glad that I did. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, it did work though. It, I, yeah. so I wasn't worried that it wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew that if I followed the macros that I was setting and that I, if I focused on what I was doing, that I would be able to lose some fat and probably scale weight. But my biggest concern really is that over the last year I've been lifting heavy and I know I've gained a fair bit of muscle and I do, I want to see that muscle, but my biggest issue 
is I'm really unhappy with how my midsection looks. Mm -hmm. You know, I know I will never have a six pack and I'm okay with that, but I had three kids and my big worry is we can't choose where we lose fat. Mm -hmm. So of course I'm hoping to lose fat in my midsection Mm -hmm. and I'm worried that I'm going to get to the end of my cut and it's going to look the same and my measurements are going to be the same and I'm going to feel like I did it all for nothing, except for then I'll remind myself that I'll probably be revealing the muscles everywhere else that I mm-hmm. built. So, yeah. Um, you know, it's hard when you've had, when you've had kids and you know, your, your body changes in a lot of ways Sure. and I'm trying to prepare myself for the possibility that it might just be loose skin and not really body fat. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm so grateful that you're able to share these concerns because I asked you the question of like, do you have any fears going into this process? Because I would say nine times out of 10, there is a lot of fear of going into a new phase, whatever that phase is, whether it's your first time going through a reverse, your first time maintaining, going into a subsequent cut, even going into like your first cut there's usually a lot of fear of doing something new. And I think it can be great to spend a little time of, of saying, of breaking down what, what is the, my actual fear? Like I feel afraid, but, but of what, what am I afraid is going to happen? And so being able to help you get really clear on like, here's what I'm actually afraid of and starting to make peace with, even if that does happen, like making peace with that ahead of time really sets you up to be able to be so much more successful during, during the process. And then either you're surprised and happy that you do lose something in your midsection or you've prepared yourself for the possibility. Hey, I may do it all right. Quote unquote, right. Not anything I did wrong, but it is just where my body chose to take that from. Um, so I'm grateful that you're willing to, to talk about some of those, those fears. Um, all right. So as we're wrapping up, is there anything else that's coming to you that you want to make sure you say to somebody who is listening to this episode? Um, I think it can be really scary to go into maintenance. And I know I've seen a lot of people through Macros 101 and and beyond who have gone into that journey of maintenance where they're they're thinking I'm gonna go into maintenance for the absolute minimum amount of time possible, and I'm gonna go back to cutting because I'm not happy where I am. And it's, it's a little discouraging to me to see that because maintenance is such a wonderful place to be. Mm-hmm. And it really is a place where you can feel good and you can work on other things. Um, one of the things I really struggled with when I first started in Macros 101 is, you know, I was pretty unhappy and I was pretty down on myself. I didn't think I looked good. I didn't think I was happy at the weight I, that I was at which is funny because it's actually less than I weigh now, but mm-hmm. um, I realized through Macros 101 that I, I just didn't feel like I deserved good things. I didn't feel like I deserved to be happy, to accept myself. And even I didn't feel like I deserved the time that I was spending or the, the investment I was making even going into macros 101, I didn't feel like I deserved that. Mm-hmm. And I, f- I think a lot of people, and maybe, I don't know, maybe it's moms, maybe it's just women in general, but I felt like 
I should be focusing on other things. I should be focusing on my kids. I should be focusing on my job. Um, but through the process, realizing that I didn't feel like I deserved all of the good things that could come my way was holding me back from getting them. Yeah. And, you know, I, I had a total breakdown during macros 101 when I realized that's where I was, that I didn't feel worthy of anything good. And once I realized that that was holding me back and that I do deserve all of the good things that could come my way, everything changed. Um, Even, you know, I shared this story with you before, Amber, but my husband was so grateful that I went through Macros 101 because he said, you're so much easier to be around. You're so much nicer to yourself. You're so much happier. And it made a difference in all aspects of my life because I don't feel held back anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I'm stopping myself from going for good things. I got a huge promotion at work after going through macros one-on-one because I knew I deserved it. It's amazing. And my, you know, I, I set aside time to exercise. That's my time. My kids need to get ready for school during the time that I work out, but I deserve it. It's my, the only time that I can do it. And so my husband is going to be the one who takes care of the kids and gets them ready for school every morning. And he's okay with it mm-hmm. because he agrees. That's my time. Mm-hmm. And it was hard. It was hard to come to that realization. And it was really emotional and difficult. But Amber always tells us that the breakthrough comes after the breakdown. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it really does. Yeah. The whole whole idea of I deserve it. That's such a, that's such a big monumental place that, that you can get to. Thank you so much for sharing that. That was, that was beautiful. So exciting. And I hope that people are listening and they are excited about maintenance. That's one of my goals with like having you share your stories. I want people to be excited about this. It, like I said, it feels like the forgotten stepchild that like nobody wants to acknowledge, but it can be one of the most beautiful experiences um, of, of your journey. And, and it really sets you up for that, that future success. Um, so thank you so much, Amanda. You're a rock star. Thanks for being here. Thanks for sharing your story. I hope that you enjoyed Amanda's story and that you were able to hopefully get a little bit excited about maintenance and see it as a really beautiful place to spend a majority of your life. That's really where you should be spending a majority of your time. Small little bouts in cuts, maybe some a little bit longer times in building muscle. And then the majority of our time really should be living life, maintaining focusing on on all the other wonderful things that life has to offer us. So I'm so grateful for Amanda and sharing her wisdom. And I hope that it got you a little bit excited. The phrase, you have to love yourself first sounds nice, but how the heck do you get there? You've probably heard of affirmations, positive self-talk, maybe even read some self-help books, and those are all great. But when it comes to applying these concepts to your daily life, how do you do it? How do you get yourself to believe those affirmations? If I asked you to look in the mirror right now and say, I love you to the person staring back at you, could you do it? And and not only could you do it, could you mean it? I dare say most women would have at least a little resistance to verbally acknowledging themselves and their love for their body. And that's why I created the hashtag I love me challenge, a free 14 day journey to help you increase your self-love so that you can confidently say, 
What you think of me doesn't matter because I love me. Hearing that, part of you may think, well, that's a really nice sentiment, Amber, but how can I love myself when there's so much that still needs to be changed? Won't I lose my motivation to hit my goals if I am happy in my current reality? Spoiler alert, it doesn't work that way. Think about it. How long have you been beating yourself up and withholding love from yourself, hoping that it would motivate change? If that strategy was going to work, it would have worked by now. The truth, the more you beat yourself up, the less motivation you have to change. It's just like a child who will perform much better in their soccer game if you cheer them on rather than telling them you are withholding any applause or any love for them until after they've won the game. What's between your ears matters. Your mindset is the determining factor for success. If you can love yourself now, you will be unstoppable and reaching your goals will be easier. So are you up for the challenge? If so, head to bicepsafterbabies.com forward slash I love me, all one word. And for two weeks, starting February 13th, so just in time for Valentine's Day, you'll receive one text message a day. These text messages will be short, but powerful. They'll be mixes of quotes and action items and things to think about to be able to grow in your self-love. This is entirely free. So if you're in, head to bicepsafterbabies.com forward slash I love me and sign up for our free 14 day text message challenge. That's bicepsafterbabies.com forward slash I love me. That wraps up this episode of Biceps After Babies Radio. I'm Amber. Now go out and be strong because remember my friend, you can do anything. Hey friend, have you heard the news? We have a Biceps After Babies Radio insider list. If you love Biceps After Babies Radio, you don't want to miss a thing. Head to bicepsafterbabies.com forward slash insider to join the group. You'll be the first to know all things about the podcast, see some behind the scenes and get special messages from yours truly. We want to make this a special community for those who are fans of the podcast. And last, did this episode particularly resonate with you? If so, will you please share it? Either send the link to someone who would find it valuable or take a screenshot and post it to your social media and tell your family and friends why they should listen. Make sure you tag me at Biceps After Babies so I can hear your feedback and give you a little love. And you know, if you aren't already following me on Instagram or Facebook, that's the perfect time to hit that follow button. Thank you for being here and listening to Biceps After Babies Radio.